I was thinking uh, about um, topics, you know, before we decided just to talk about yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reflecting on the fact that I have a lot going on right now that I can't actually talk about on the <laughs> podcast as it goes out. That's quite unfortunate. Um, you know, we found out last week that... Right. Um, uh, a week ago, this past Friday... Oh, uh, oh. Which I'm not allowed to talk about because of the uh, fact. Uh, and also because I don't like to talk too specifically about work because, you know, I want to keep a separation of church and state. Oh, my. So to speak. So anyhow. Yeah. So basically, I, I <laughs> my incredibly vague joke bio on our website is becoming more and more apt. <laughs> We're not really sure what Max does. Something in an office. Right. Uh, also, a quick bit of follow-up. Um, I am now using the uh, copy of Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek that I previously spilled water on and killed a spider with uh, yeah. as a coaster. <laughs> so it is changing your life in more ways. I just I figured it's already wet and covered in bug, so we may as well just, you know, go with it. And that's what you're looking for in a coaster? Uh, that's what I'm looking for in a 4-Hour Workweek. You are listening to Priority. A podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, A Duck in the Face. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, please visit us online at priority.fm slash nine. So, on my computer that I use at work, um, I have a an image set as my background. Um, Is it My Little Pony? Uh, no, good guess. You're really close. Um, uh, and by close, I mean, no, it's not My Little Pony. Um, <laughs> it is an illustration from... Uh, the artist Mary Englebright, who you might remember <laughs> because our mother had prints of hers on lots of objects when we were growing up. Uh, did she write A Wrinkle in Time? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> it's this image from the artist Mary Englebright um, that is a quotation from Rumi, who I believe is a Sufi poet um, of yore. And the quotation is, be a lamp, a lifeboat, or a ladder. And it's a picture of a little girl in a lifeboat holding a lamp um, with a ladder with her. I think also what is supposed to be a small helpful dog um, mm. adds to the adds to the image. So really, the image is illustrating the lesson that you should be a lamp, a lifeboat, a ladder, a little girl, or a helpful dog. Possibly. Or maybe she also wants, in Mary Englebright's interpretation, maybe she also wants the dog to consider itself a lamp, lifeboat, or ladder. Maybe okay. that is the message. All right. I think I've got the image so far. It should be a multi-purpose dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Yes. So I had found this image. Um, I don't remember if I had been looking for something, if I had come across someone sharing it on Facebook, maybe. Um, but when I came across it, um, something in it was speaking to me. Um, I think it had been a really frustrating day, day at the office. Um, (laughs) so day on campus, that is to say. And I was thinking about, um, all these students and coworkers who were sort of frustrating me. It was sort of a, 
um, rough week. I think I was feeling a little bogged down, um, feeling like I was doing a lot of policing in my work with um, my students and my staff in particular, um, some of the not, not so fun parts of my, of my positions. Um, so when I came across it, it was really helpful to me. And so I, of course, ripped it from the internet right away <laughs> as a good English professor tells her students not to do. Um, <laughs> and pasted on my desktop, um, sort of as a reminder for myself that, um, that it was possible, even though I was having a rough week, to stay focused on the goals of my work. So in a lot of ways, teaching is, is in a service industry. And so it was helpful to me in that moment to think about, um, you know, what are ways that I can enlighten and be of service to people around me. Um, and in that particular week, that really helped me chill out, <laughs> which was good. Um, and there's a dog there. And hey, that was kind of friendly and nice. <laughs> nice little picture. Um, so, so that anecdote is to say, um, this is something I've been thinking about leading up to our talk today, was the idea of having a mantra. Hmm. Yes. So this came to me a couple different ways. And I thought of um, this anecdote once I put my finger on, on the topic, once I realized I was thinking about mantras and these phrases and words that stick with us um, and are helpful in, what, in whatever ways. Um, so generally I'm thinking about um, how do we use mantras in our work? Um, because I know for a lot of people they can do this. So I'm wondering uh, how can or do mantras guide our priorities and our mm -hmm. lives more generally? Um, so some other things I was thinking about um, I have this bracelet that I got from our mother, actually, um, on my 21st birthday. And I think in the card or when she, when she gave it to me when I was opening it, she had told me that she had been trying to find something sort of Englishy and quote-worthy. <laughs> um, and she couldn't, she couldn't find a quotation from a famous author or anything like that. But what she had found was this bracelet with this little silver band on it. Uh, with the quotation, nothing is worth more than this day. Um, mm, I like that. But I've really, I've really appreciated it <laughs> because um, sort of in our family sense of humor, she gave me something that says nothing is worth more than this day to celebrate my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so a sort of milestone for adults in, in the United States of America, um, the day that I could legally drink in this country. Mm -hmm. um, also, I believe the day when you had your first ever taste of any sort of alcoholic beverage. Um, legally in the U.S., correct. I had drinking legally in the United Kingdom. Um, <laughs> fancy me, I had taken my, my study abroad opportunity as an undergraduate um, a semester when it would have been legal for me to drink in the U.K. and not legal for me to drink in the U.S., so... Mm. Very strategic. So yes, Max, of course, my, my uh, first legal sip. In my I believe they call that arbitrage. Uh, tea time. Yes. Yes. So I especially appreciated that sort of double meaning. Um, but I do really enjoy it as a bracelet, as, as jewelry and mantras go. Um, and although, I don't know, it's funny. I am, I am a sentimental person, but I don't think... 
any more so than the next person. I don't know. So this bracelet, you know, I appreciate it. Of course, it came from our mother. It was given to me um, on a day of celebration. Um, but it too sort of peps me up when I uh, need a little perspective, you know, maybe a, a day that might mm-hmm. be challenging is coming up. Um, and it's nice to sort of imbue this object with some power um, if it makes me feel more powerful. Um So other stuff I was thinking of, too, um, I was listening to, uh, I suppose it's the pilot, it's episode one of the NPR podcast Invisibilia um, Mm -hmm. from Lulu Miller and Elise, I'm forgetting her last name, Um, but Lulu's name I remembered from uh, Radiolab, of course, a former producer. Um, Right. But yeah, so in episode one, they're talking about thoughts is their general topic, Um, And more specifically, in one of the segments, they're diving into these different waves of thinking about thoughts from the world of psychology and specifically from therapy, Um, Mm -hmm. different movements in in the therapeutic arts. Um, And at one point, they're talking about um, this sort of third evolution of of ways of thinking about thoughts within therapy. That was a lot of the... um, And they're talking sort of generally about... Uh, the idea of mindfulness. So the way that, especially in the West, we've sort of borrowed this idea from Zen Buddhism and other old, old, old traditions. Um, so she's talking about the way that in these practices, you let your thoughts float by. Um, you become an observer of your thoughts rather than a person who feels like you need to process every single thing that that flies through your mind. Um, but this really stood out to me. So I've been thinking about mantras already when I was listening to this episode and this part just sort of sprung out at me. Um, but so the two hosts are summarizing this idea of mindfulness and what it looks like in practice. Um, and they're talking about how with these negative thoughts you might be having, you just let those ones float by, you don't engage them. Um, but the idea, and now I'm reading verbatim, something I pulled from the episode. The idea is that you find the thoughts that are helpful that help you to live the life you want to live. Keep those thoughts in front of you and the rest just let float away. They're not you. There's no good reason to focus on them. But I got stuck on that first part about finding the thoughts that are helpful, that help you live the life you want um, and that you keep those thoughts in front of you. So when I heard that, I was drawn again to this idea of mantras um, and the way these different words of wisdom, however they come to us, can um, be helpful in focusing in helping guide what we're doing. Um, but also there's this weird tension because these phrases and things that become important to people, they, they are external. They come from somewhere else, but for whatever reason we grab onto them and we carry them Mm -hmm. around like these little tokens. Um, yeah. What do you think? Well, I think uh, I'll, I'll start with the – I'll answer the third question first, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you said about being external and um, grabbed onto like tokens, I'm reminded of something that uh, Tom Peters said uh, in the book <laughs> Reimagined that I actually recounted an episode or two ago mm-hmm. um, about how he would uh, be thinking different thoughts and having themes develop in the back of his mind over you know, days or weeks or months or years mm-hmm. of reading, and then he would come across a word. Uh, someone would use yeah. a word in a particular way and everything would just snap into place and he would seize on that word. Um, 
and and it, as you were talking about mantras and I was thinking about various things I've used uh, either like a mantra or deliberately as a mantra in my life and how often those are external things that have that very that very specific effect where I'm looking for something or thinking about something and then someone has yeah. a phrase that just perfectly encapsulates, you know, whatever it is I think I'm going towards. Um, and that, that becomes my thing, you know, yeah. my theme for a while. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, one thing I also want to mention, um, <laughs> it just strikes me as funny because, um, very, very, very often, whatever the topic or, or the main, thrust of what, what you bring to the podcast is it often, it strikes me as funny because very often, um, what I find is whatever topic that you come up with or whatever you bring to the podcast yeah. relates very specifically to something on a podcast from just the previous week oh that, uh, I know you didn't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm magic. Uh, in this case, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, Roderick on the line, episode 147, <laughs> the Ohm of Surrender. <laughs> Oh my. Okay. Um, which isn't actually about mantras for the most part, but it opens with uh, John Roderick recounting an anecdote uh, from the last week where, where he uh, saw a bumper sticker with OM, O-M, yeah. uh, on it, and he found himself just starting to repeat it. Like, it was kind of an irreverent, funny bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. But he just, it made him say OM out loud. And then <laughs> he just, as he was driving to his appointment, he kept saying it. And as he was walking through the hallway of the building, he kept saying it. And mm -hmm. he, he recounted how, how it made him feel calm and relaxed and focused. Hmm. Um, but, uh, anyhow, I, um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about that. Um, uh, just the funny serendipity that you wanted to talk mantras right after that episode of, I heard yeah. that episode of Roderick on the line. Um, and, and the way that, um, I don't, I don't know if this is quite right. Um, but, as I understand it, a lot of the purpose of, of like a literal mantra of something you would say while meditating mm -hmm. um, is to give your mind something to focus on, like a positive focus while you're trying to detach from the other things yeah. going on around you or the thoughts passing by, the ones that you're going to observe. Like the reason you focus on the breath is not about the breath. It's, it's about training your attention on something so that you can learn not to get entangled in the thoughts as they go by. Um, uh, if you are a Buddhist mm -hmm. or a meditation practitioner and you want to write in and tell me I got all that wrong, feel free. Uh, but that's my understanding. Um, and it, it occurs to me that <laughs> when we talk about mantras in this more, more like a theme or a motto kind of way, um, it's still, it's still kind of doing the same thing. I think a lot of the time we are, we're, we're choosing a word or a phrase that does summarize the positive thing we want to go towards. Um, mm -hmm. or, or the action we want to remember to take, you know, the, the ground of being we want to come from, whatever. Um, but really, it's, I think it's in the service of, you, you mentioned, you know, which, which are the useful thoughts and which are the thoughts you're just going to let go. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's in, we, we choose that positive thing almost in the service of, of avoiding the negative ones, you know, and rather than thinking, mm -hmm. I'm not going to think about all these other things, like, if we keep thinking and repeating this one little phrase that's helpful, that gives our brain that much less time to run down the rabbit trails of all the unhelpful ones. Yeah. Or even if the unhelpful one came up, you have, I know we used this word in a previous talk too, but you have an anchor to sort of pull mm -hmm. you back. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> or maybe like a vaudeville hook. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something else useful here too, just in, in the sense of, um, depending on what your mantra is, of rehearsal. Um, hmm. 
Uh, one thing that, that I, I didn't call it a mantra, but it, at the time it certainly, um, I think it certainly rose to that, to that level where it was something I was, I was trying to think about all the time and keep top of mind. Um, <laughs> this will be our obligatory, uh, David Allen's getting things done reference for the week. Here we go. The core question in that book, uh, in that program that he comes back to again and again and again is what's the next action? Um, and mm-hmm. there's a, a <laughs> chapter at the end of the book, um, that is a, about almost nothing except for, um, I'm using the small s version of this word, but the sort of spiritual implications of that question and of, of always bringing it back to action and always, hmm. you know, taking everything, you know, not, not getting tied up in all the things that could go wrong and the, how hard this goal is to be going to be to achieve and everything that's stacked against us and just always bringing it back to what is the next action. What's the next physical, visible thing that I can do? Um, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. At, at a particular time in my life when I was pretty busy, feeling very overwhelmed and, and you know, getting back into into GTD is sort of a way to deal with it. Um, I found myself, like, writing that in all kinds of strange places and putting it on Post-it notes and uh, putting it on, on the backdrop of my computer, um, mm. you know, the desktop. I, I put took a photo and put in the text, what's the next action over it and... That was my desktop for a few months. Um, and you posted it as that question? What's that? You posed it as a question. Yeah. What's the next action? Hmm. Um, and, and it was something that I, you know, I put in all these places because I wanted to be asking myself that all the time. And mm-hmm. I think it was helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about now? So you said something interesting that um, – a mantra, an idea like this can be your theme for a while. And I really Mm -hmm. like that language um, because it does suggest that this sort of tool changes with you maybe. Um, So how do you think you said it at that time uh, that had been a sort of helpful phrase. Um, How do you think that sort of thing changes for you? How does it happen? Uh, How does it change as in like, (laughs) <laughs> Am I still using it? And if not, what went wrong? Or no, um, I didn't even mean it like that. Um, well, yeah. I think in the case of that one, I mean, I, I eventually got a, a pretty rigorous GTD implementation up and running. You know, mm-hmm. I had a set of pretty pretty serious project lists and, and action lists and, and an up to date calendar, and was keeping my inboxes clean. And you know, <laughs> uh, and by the time that kind of got onto cruise control, at least for a while. Um, I, I didn't really need it anymore. Hmm. So it's useful until it's not. Right. And and I think at that point, um, it wasn't so much that the question itself stops being useful. Um, you know, if if there's literally anything you're ever going to do again at any time in your life, what's the next action is a question that you at least implicitly have to keep asking. Uh, it's just that I had started mm-hmm. asking the question, you know, more directly and automatically. I didn't mm-hmm. need to remind myself of it. I just, I had shifted to a point where I was, you know, Anything going on, that's just what I do is look at, okay, what's the next physical thing I need to do to move this forward? Mm. Yeah, so now I'm thinking about, um, you know, the fact that we both said that, um, you know, we've put such things as our desktop backgrounds, which I think is interesting. Um, Says something about us and about um, the tools we use and the time in which we live. Um, But I'm thinking about the way that we or people in general, I guess we're people, um, uh, give ourselves visual clues for these things. 
um, to think about the desktop and the bracelet um, and everything else. Something else I was thinking about when I was prepping was um, I don't have any tattoos and I don't know whether um, tattoos are, are something in my future or not. But I was thinking about how um, if I had to, if I had to narrow down an idea or an image, um, so language or text, language or text, uh, language text or (laughs) image that was important to me, something I would want to see or have seen on me every day. Um, I think I've recognized when I've thought about this, that that sort of identifier is going to keep changing over my lifetime. Um, And so I don't know if something that would be sort of useful and powerful to me at one point would remain that way forever (laughs) as a tattoo would remain forever. Um, Mm. So thinking about how uh, if if I had to get a tattoo of something that was an idea that was helpful to me right now, um, it's just so interesting to think how soon that would lose its effect because I think this type of thing – it feels important, but I think it also feels alive and changing. It changes as I do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, if we're, if we're talking about a mantra is something that you adopt, you know, to, to, um, in order to improve or to change something, or just because it's, it's more what you want to be than you are. Um, you're always going to be outgrowing mm. that. It's like, it's like, um, you know, a self-help book or a diet or something like that. Like very often, even if it works, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's in most cases, it's not going to be the permanent solution because if it works, you're going to graduate to the next level and it's not going to be as helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's like if you go to the anger management class and you get your anger under control, um, that's great. But that anger management class, you can't go back to it and then, you know, become a, a Zen master and then go back to it again and ascend into some sort of universal oneness and demigodhood. Like, you know, it's only going to be good for getting you over the anger. (laughs) Um, And it might not even be that. It might be one of these things where it's like, well, this is just part of your personality and you're going to have to deal with it forever and keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, So thanks for nothing at anger management class. I'm going to throw a freaking table over. Whoa, Um, anger management class, your trigger word? (laughs) That would be a really unfortunate trigger. <laughs> oh, Welcome to gosh. anger management class. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to get letters now from like the people who are triggered by anger management class defamation league. Rot row. Um, I'm just thinking of that scene from Muppet. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if you picture an anger <clears throat> with anything with a lot of with a lot of time management systems. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I worked for Franklin Covey for more than a year and got very into their then current time management training. Um, and I'm still a big fan mm-hmm. of the stuff they do. Um, and I like their products, although I don't really use them anymore. Um, but I, in the course of that year, I got an awful lot accomplished. I, I got back into school. Um, I ended up ascending to a fairly <laughs> high position in the, in the not-for-profit that I was volunteering with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, got onto their board of directors and, and got a pretty serious planning role in, in their main uh, yearly seminar. I, uh, at the end of the period when I was, when I was using their stuff the most, um, seriously was when I got what had been at the time the most serious quote unquote grown up job I'd ever had. Uh, you know, but today <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't use their stuff. 
Um, yeah, and that might be a topic for another day too. Is I've I've <laughs> talked often. I like their new book, uh, The Five Choices, that came out. I've I've referenced mm-hmm. ideas from it in a few episodes of this podcast. Um, you know, I I bought a Franklin Covey planner at the beginning of the year and uh, read the book and spent a few weeks trying it out, and I, it you know doesn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not at a not at a point in my life where it will fit in that kind of time management system. Which is for anybody who's curious. I mean, just you know, straightforward calendar and you have, you have lists of tasks you do on a weekly basis and a daily basis. You know, it's a very to-do list focused, uh, mm-hmm. and a handful of, of, you know, roles and yearly goals you keep track of. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. very nice, but it's, it's also, it's just, it's, I, I don't fit into that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is in large part because, uh, it got me to a place where I was good enough. You know, it took me as far as it could take me. Um, got me to a point where I was good enough that I could get more serious jobs and have more going on. Uh, and now I need something different. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like if you're a person who's never had to make a to-do list and you're out of control and you make a to-do list, uh, the to-do list probably won't be the last tool that you ever use to get control of your, your world and your work. Because <laughs> once you get really good at making to-do lists, you're, you'll probably find, you know, there's problems that can't be solved by that. And you'll have more of those problems because you're good at making the lists. Mm-hmm. You know, then you need, then you need to think about more strategically about your priorities or then you need to get better at saying no and not having <laughs> things on your list. Or, you know, there's always, there's always something else to graduate to. <laughs> um, and I think mantras are kind of the same way. It's like you, if you find one that works for you for the rest of your life, great. And maybe that's ohm <laughs> going back to. You know, literal mantras. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the whole point of one of these is that you are you are trying to be more of whoever that mantra, that theme reflects. Um, mm-hmm. And once you get there, you might need a different one. Yeah. No, and I liked your example of learning to say no more, which is, I think, um, a skill that it can be very valuable to different professionals at different points in their careers. Um so maybe a mantra could become just say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so based on what um you were talking about uh project management systems, now I'm thinking about uh whether there's a difference between a mantra as a way to focus or to guide priorities and decision making and a mantra as the inspiration to keep you going on whatever it is you see as your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm thinking also of um, an episode of Back to Work with Merlin Mann um, about the idea of inspiration. And I know Merlin mm. is sort of um, over the idea that most people refer to as inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. And from what I remember, and he's, he's come back to this topic in other episodes too, but um, the major takeaway I'm remembering is that he thinks that inspiration is the part that maybe should already be inherent to the work you choose to do. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. That, you know, if your lucky pen or your, your lucky table that you sit at help you get to some good work, then more power to you. If that works and it's not a hindrance and it's not an obstacle, that's great. Um, But if you're requiring too much of this mysterious power that we call inspiration, then uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that work or maybe it's not really for you and you're, you're actually seeking right. something else. Um, right. I, um, I, I might be, I might be misremembering or putting words in his mouth. This might just be like my, my remembered 
headcanon interpretation mm-hmm. of what he said. But I, I kind of, I, after that episode, I kind of think of it as, you know, inspiration might put you over the top like once, you know, if mm-hmm. you're, if you're 99% there and most days, day in and day out, you're working on this thing you really care about. Uh, inspiration might be useful for one day when you're, when you're stuck and not doing it. Right. But that it, you can't count on it to be, you know, it's not, you're not going to produce a body of work based on inspiration. Right. It's not your daily fuel. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or certainly at the very least, what, you know, when people think of things like motivation, like, like, you know, a poster of a boat, I think is the example he used <laughs> mm-hmm. in that episode. Um, you know, uh, a nice photograph of some guys rowing on a lake. And, that might be know, the first time he a picture of a boat. Yeah. yeah I think that know, might be things, the same. Things like that. Um, if that's what you need to get your work done, there's, you know, A, you don't really care about your work, and B, there's probably not enough of that in the entire world to get you to do your work often and long and hard enough to actually add up to anything. No, if that's what gets you going every day, I think you must have applesauce for brains. Yeah. <laughs> like I, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, uh, there's something that you said, um, before going too far into Merlin Man, about um, whether it is a matter of um, something you use to set priorities mm-hmm. and, and make decisions versus something um, – I'm losing – kind of losing the thread of what you said, actually. So I'm thinking um, about it. Or is it your, your picture of a boat? Mm. Is it what guides your GTD, or is oh, it okay, your, gotcha. or is it your picture of a boat? Right. Is it, is it what motivates you to keep doing your GTD? Um, would that be, would that be a fair distinction? Yeah. Like what so, guides the, what guides the decision you make versus what keeps you doing the thing that you've already decided you want to do? Yeah. Is um, it part? Yeah. 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 And I, I do think, I, I think it's an interesting question. And the reason I think it's an interesting question is I don't think it's actually, I think, I think at levels where it's useful to think, think about things like mantras and decisions and actions, I don't think it's actually, those are actually two different things. Um, because, uh, and, and, um, I don't have a source for this, so I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Um, you can think it, you can have original thoughts. I would say that when you are using it to guide your choices, to set priorities, um, you are engaged in making decisions about what you're going to do. This, not that. You know, these yeah. things are more valuable than those things. These right. things move me towards, those things move me away. Um, when you are using it as motivation or inspiration, though, I would say you are still engaged in that exact same process. Um, you are doing it maybe on a shorter time scale and about a smaller number of things. But if it's a question about whether I keep going or not, like the motivation question, I think you're still talking about ultimately a decision to be made each moment. Like what am I going to do right now? Am I going to quit because I'm tired or am I going to decide I'm going to keep doing this for a few more minutes at least? Um, I, I don't think we, we tend to think of motivation that explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think, you know, in the context of, of – of the, at least the way you frame the question, I think they're pretty much the same thing. Hmm. It's, it's just you're asking maybe at a different scale. But you're still asking, you know, of this, of this mantra. If I am the person that is reflected by this mantra, um, what would I be doing right now? Hmm. You know, and even mm-hmm. when it's just motivation, you're still asking what would I be doing right now? Would it be to keep doing this or would it be to give up and do the opposite of the mantra? <laughs> <laughs> so which I think is of. which I think is f- the next action in the case of my example. Oh my! 
Um, I just wanted to have something to bleep. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's the real reason I'm in podcasting, folks, is to, to hear my own voice get bleeped. So funny. Um, can't explain it. Can't explain it. No, I'm thinking of a, a former mentor, um, one of my former teachers who <laughs> her personal mantra and what she tries to offer um, young women such as myself is what would Hillary do? <laughs> As in, as in Clinton. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask uh, if, right. if that was Clinton or Duff or... <laughs> and not herself, yeah. <laughs> Tell me, young young, young person, what would I do? Yeah, that's a pretty good example. There's um, you know, an awful lot of uh, what would Jesus do bumper stickers, right. and at this point probably an equal or greater number of uh, parodies of what would Jesus do. Right. Um, of all these other characters. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, that too, I, <laughs> the kind of people who I've known who would put a WWJD bumper sticker on their car, um, I don't know that the answer um, that they would get from that question would always necessarily be biblical or useful. Um, <laughs> but I think that's, that is, that is a good example of, of, uh, the power of something like this, of a potentially useful mantra, if you've identified a character and either fictitiously or not attached a certain system of values and way of thinking to them, mm -hmm. you know, asking what that person you admire who has achieved something you want to achieve or, or is, um, of a, of a character that you want to aspire to be more like, mm -hmm. you know, asking what they would do. That is a useful thing, I think, to center yeah. and ground yourself. Um, well, I think mm -hmm. you can take it, you can take it too far, certainly. Um, <laughs> And, and Especially if you're wrong. <laughs> right. That is not what Jesus would do. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you're wrong, which, mm -hmm. <laughs> as you know, I am a theologian, and uh, I can say that people who have that bumper sticker generally do get it wrong. <laughs> um, but I think if you take it seriously and, um, you know, you are asking with a good heart and you have been a faithful student of the actual historical person, you know, reflected no, in the text never. and you are trying to ask and answer that question honestly you know i don't mm -hmm. think that's a bad thing mm -hmm. um yeah and and p.s that would be hang out with sinners and be nice to them yay <laughs> if only. <sighs> um but yeah i mm -hmm. i think that's a good example and and that um it reminds me of something that i've been thinking this whole time a few times i've used the word theme in place of mantra. Mm -hmm. And I know mantra kind of has, you know, there, there is a sort of meditative or religious connotation to that. Um, or if you're me, there's like a, a deeply silly self-help connotation to that. Um, and I understand that. So like if that, if that idea bothers you, but you know, you're still interested in the way words or little phrases can, can be motivational or help guide your decisions, you know, remind you of what you predecided was important. In, mm -hmm. in tough moments when you're feeling tired. Um, I would say choose a word word for mantra, <laughs> a meta mantra that you like better. And I think theme would be a good one. Um, I th <laughs> think this got cut out the last time I brought it up. Um, but Julie Morgenstern's <laughs> book, uh, Shed, um, which is about getting rid of stuff. Um, sheds. Not, not about wood sheds. Anyways, um, it's about getting rid of stuff. And uh, she in there, one of the first steps is uh, what she calls choose your theme. Mm -hmm. Figure out, like, where you are, where you've been in your life, 
Um, from there, decide what you want the next phase of your life to be and use that theme, that short word or phrase that, that, or image that, um, summarizes what you want the next phase of your life to be about as, as criteria as you interrogate various things in your life, you know, either physical clutter or commitments, things Mm -hmm. like that, you know, as you decide which ones of those you're going to keep and which ones you're going to shed, um, (laughs) your theme is is sort of the guiding principle that you employ. Mm. Um, and I think that's a useful idea. And I really do like the word theme. I, in fact, like it better than mantra. In fact, I think, wow. I think, I think my new mantra is themes, not mantras. You jerk. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I hear you. Um, when I was thinking of all this, um, I did specifically mean a word or a phrase or a quotation or, or um, something – text base that you um, not necessarily repeat, but in some way you have kept it for yourself, whether that's um, physically it's written somewhere or you have something that someone else has written with it, um, but you've somehow kept it close to you physically or figuratively. Um, And maybe my draw to that is just, you know, my interest in linguistics generally, my interest in language, um, you know, all the different ways I think about rhetoric on a daily basis and all of my different positions in life. Um, and I hear what you're saying too. Um, I think your attachment to theme is just a different version of my attachment to this idea of a mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oh, and absolutely. And I want to be, I want to be clear. I am using the term, um, indistinguishably. Um, I yeah, think, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the exact same scope of statement uh, and I am talking about using it in a similar way where you keep it close to you, you know, you repeat it to yourself, mm-hmm. um, whatever you need to do to keep it front and center and, and guide those decisions and motivate you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and the only reason I brought up Julie Morgenstern in particular is because I think that's where I got this use of the word theme. Gotcha. Um, so I wanted to, cool. you know, give, give credit where credit is due to somebody that, um, by the time we're done with this podcast, I'll probably have made a lot of fun of, so. <laughs> <laughs> so give her credit for planting that seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She she tells a story in one of her earlier books um, about <laughs> going to going to her 25th uh, summer camp reunion. That's a thing? Uh, that's kind of what I said. And the story, <laughs> the story is just uh, from top to bottom, the story is completely unbelievable. It's like this, she needed an excuse for a context in which someone would have been surprised to find out she was a professional organizer. Um, which also makes the story even more unbelievable because I, would people at summer camp really remember you as being either tidy or disorganized? Like, well, these are people who see your bedroom. No, but if se. you're at summer camp, you're living with them, right? Well, yeah, but I in mean, everybody's going to be a little bit messy, and nobody's going to have that much stuff. I don't hmm. know. It just, it struck me as strange. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why she didn't just say, like, college reunion, because I'm pretty sure the story's made up anyways. Oh, my so. goodness. You think she uh, took a liberty there? I think she took a lot of liberty there. <laughs> nice lady, think. though. Super nice. <laughs> Very, very organized. Oh, good save, Max. That was that was great. Um, theme. Poor Julie. Theme. <laughs> I heard that sort of in Schmidt's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy. Mm. Fashion. Theme. Hunting the sweet fantastic. I mean, right there. Memoir slash mantra. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, 
Oh, heavens. Yeah, no, but I am glad you brought up. Um, I I am also taking liberties with my use of the word mantra. Um, I'm not necessarily drawing on the specifically religious or spiritual use of a repeated phrase, but, but the idea of a repeated phrase. Um, I, I keep thinking of the word token, too, and maybe it's just... Um, because I drew the connection to my bracelet, you know, it is a physical thing I keep with me. Um, not every day, but I mean, it's in my house. Um, mm. It's literally with me. Um, yeah, and I know that that sort of thing, um, some people are way more into that than than I am, whether it's um, a little stuffed animal that is the study buddy that's always out anytime you are preparing for a test or some sort of... Um, assessment you know the the um, pair of socks that the sports ball player doesn't wash for the entire playoff season yes the sports ball socks yeah mm-hmm. different things yeah. like that um yeah and i think that gets back to um i think you used the word rehearsal when we were talking earlier um mm-hmm. the idea of ritual the sports ball socks makes me think of that yeah um yeah and i get that too um i know that that can be really valuable to people in different ways um um, there's a um, a William Gibson book <laughs> that I have read several times over um, called Pattern Recognition. It was his first sort of um, – he's known best for science fiction, but he wrote this trilogy of books in the last decade that were nominally set in our world. Um, hmm. And sort of like all of the technology and all of the, the corporate goings-ons were, were things that – at least in theory, could or should be happening, you know, in real life rather than sci-fi. Huh. Um, but there's one element in this first book that's a little bit fanciful, and that is the main character has um, – essentially she has an allergy to branding. Like she has has really strong physical and psychological reactions to trademarks and, and advertising messages. Oh, and that's goodness. like her job is she uses this for companies to help them, you know, define whether or not their trademarks are working. Um, but anytime that she starts to get overwhelmed, she has this little phrase she repeats, um, which is, he took a duck in the face at 150 knots, which is a line from a story that one of her dad's friends had told her when she was little about a guy who um, had the the cockpit window glass of his airplane, you know, shattered when he ran into a duck. Oh, my. Um, but she says that anytime she starts to have a panic attack and it, it calms her down. Wow. He took hmm. a duck in the face at 150 knots. Wow. <laughs> I am full of off the wall stories today. Ooh, I'm sorry. I like it. I just, I just, too I much, too much Benadryl. <laughs> it's one wild night at the Leibman household. The Max Leibman household, I should say. Not the Leibman-Garber household. No, no, yeah. Yes. Well, and even saying the Max Leibman household probably is not appropriate. <laughs> the the Courtney and Max Leibman household. Right, I was just differentiating yours, not mine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to imply that, you know, <laughs> my wife is Mrs. Max Leibman. No, I'm not oppressing myself and I'm not oppressing your wife. <laughs> mm, no, no, that's my job. <laughs> Oh, you just, no, you build stuff up and then you dig holes and then you take a duck in the face at 150 knots. Ow. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, um. Have I completely derailed this or? No, I was, I was going to drag us back a ways. Okay. But that's okay. Go, that Unless would be you great. had something else to. I really hope you do. <laughs> Unless you had any more ducks in your row. 
No, no. <laughs> I, I've pretty much exhausted my repertoire, I think. Okay. Well, I don't know about that. That sounds like a challenge, but... Um, so something I was thinking about um, uh, when we were talking about Hillary and Jesus, um, and you mentioned sometimes having these different characters, so to speak, in mind, these different people who embody things that you wish you were a little bit more. Um, what would Kermit the Frog do? Good one. Absolutely. Because um, it's not easy being green. Um, but I'm thinking about how, and maybe this... I'm thinking of it because maybe it describes me and I'm sort of realizing and developing this thought as we're talking that I think for me that there aren't a lot of single figures, either historical or modern, personal or sort of distant, that I want, I, I aspire to be exactly like any one given person, but there are lots of people that I admire for different reasons or that um, I aspire to be a little more like for specific features of, of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about maybe um, with either, and now I'm, I'm talking a little bit more about models, I guess, role models, you could say, I guess, um, mm-hmm. rather than mantras, although you could pick up mantras from things they've said and done. Um, sure. I, my example was what's the next action, which I, I got word for word from David Allen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm thinking about how maybe for me especially, it's less so about maybe having a single thing that I'm driving toward, but having a toolbox full of these things. Um, so these different ideas and people and images that um, taken together might mm-hmm. describe how I want to be or what I want to do. Right. Um, so you'd, you would have your picture of a boat and a picture of a rock climber and a picture of a handshake. <laughs> it just turns out being like an Escher drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I want to do that. I want to do um I want to do motivational posters out of Escher drawings. Oh my god, yes. Oh, I can picture it. The stairs that are upside down, you put the rock climber going up those. Uh, we have almost no listeners, but I bet 3 of them right now are making tumblers of this. Yes, please. I mean, I have the ideas. If someone else has the artistic ability and the the digital editing and all that, make this happen. Indeed. So this is our plea. I feel like this is a, a test. We're casting our line to see if we really have <laughs> listeners slash if we have listeners with talent. <laughs> uh, I like it. Yes. We'll um, find out. <laughs> Tune in next time to find out. Are we sad because no one listens? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, it's funny that we we brought it back to picture of a boat because you, you started with the, um, the Madeline LaIngle drawing of a picture no, of a boat. Oh, you are so fired. uh i'm sorry were you uh you were talking about a toolbox of these things was that the end of your tangent joke let's say yes and move on (sighs) i'm really proud of you for for moving on um yes toolbox um or alternately um having a sort of cast of characters waiting in the wing if we can keep layering metaphors um Mm. and good images to add to our new poster series um, what would Abe Lincoln do? <laughs> he would be in the toolbox. Oh, bless his heart. Um, yeah, but I think it can be helpful to have um, a collection of of mantras, per se, or models to draw upon. Because um, kind of like we've been saying, at different moments and when facing different obstacles and challenges, the type of strength or inspiration or theme that you need to keep at the forefront is going to be different. 
don't you think? I do think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's... Uh, um, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm thinking of a couple different threads, um, and I'll use the less useful one first while I search online for the more useful <laughs> oh one. <laughs> uh, so I'm reminded of um, sort of it's sort of a poster of a boat kind of thing. Um, but I mentioned earlier I I'm you know a former employee of Franklin Covey. One thing that Franklin Covey, um, among organizer nerds, is kind of known for, I think they started this, but if not, I'd certainly they they took it to the greatest extremes. Um, a lot of their products are day planners, you know, personal calendars for either, either weeks or days at a glance that, um, you know, you carry around with you in a little notebook. Uh, and on most of their designs, every day or every week has a motivational quote of some kind. Right, on it. right. So you get kind of a little fresh shot every day. Um, and, and in one way, I, I don't know how terribly useful it is. An awful lot of them I've had through the years, a lot of the quotes were kind of dumb or not really applicable to whatever I was thinking of, you know, whatever I was wrestling with that week. But on the other hand, I like the idea of something that, you know, if you are going to rely on that kind of, of external poster of a boat motivation, it's good to have a fresh source of it coming at you, you know, every day or every week and, mm. and not really knowing what it's going to be. Um, so anyhow, that's – you kind of get a cast of characters there at least in terms <laughs> of, of different quotes coming at you. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thinking about toolboxes and casts of characters. Um, I am – uh, remembering there is, um, a, a, a deck of cards, um, called The Oblique Strategies. Um, this is something that was created by Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt, um, working on, uh, some sort of artistic musical work many years ago. Hmm. Um. And essentially, it's it's a it's a deck of cards um, that they had printed in limited numbers and used to give as gifts, and and it's sort of a a way of introducing a little bit of entropy to their creative process and and getting the you know getting inspiration flowing again when they were stuck. Hmm. Um, and I am I'm having trouble um, finding good examples of them online, which is surprising because I know I've read through all of them before. But anyhow, it was this deck of cards that would would say things like you know try taking something out. Mm. Um, or, you know, um, forget the part you're stuck on, rethink something you're sure about, um, huh. you know, or, or try, try using a minor chord. I don't, I don't remember how specifically <laughs> musical they were, but anyhow, it was basically the idea was it was, it was a group of things of, of these, you know, strategies, just short little phrases meant to whatever problem they're facing, you know, draw a card and do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it was oblique strategies, I think, specifically because very often the way that whatever was on the card applied to the problem they're facing, it might not be completely obvious. You know, it might not literally even be possible. Sure. Um, but anyhow, um, just thinking about that, I'm, I'm thinking about um, a version of that actually inspired by this this card deck, the oblique strategy, something I've done from time to time. Um, I've already referenced him, so I may as well bring up David Allen again. Woo! Um Every once in a great while, I don't do this often because it's like the poster of a boat. Like, it's not enough to keep you going every day. Um, but every once in a while, when I've felt kind of stuck, if I have been doing, um, you know, getting things done kind of organization of my work, um, I have mm -hmm. taken a second book, which is called Ready for Anything, 
which is comprised of 52 chapters, um, each very short, you know, one or two or three pages, quick read, and with a couple of questions at the end meant to sort of trigger thoughts on whatever the theme of the chapter is. Um, from time to time in my life, I have taken that book and gone to random.org and generated a random number between 1 and 52 and then read mm. that chapter. And mm-hmm. then whatever the whatever the questions were at the end of the chapter, tried to apply them to whatever, you know, I felt stuck about. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that book being used in that way or that you go out and order a set of the oblique strategies cards or find one of the various uh, programs that I'm having trouble locating right now. So these are anti-commercials basically. Right. Right. But what I am saying is um, (laughs) maybe, maybe one thing, if you, if you feel like the kind of person who is susceptible to or craving motivation and inspiration from external sources, um, maybe the thing to do is like Katie says, get a collection of, um, of these role models or of these mantras of things like this that you do find inspirational and useful, a a toolkit of them, Mm -hmm. um, as many as you find useful and interesting and find a way to introduce a little entropy and randomize those. And, (laughs) you know, when you are feeling stuck, maybe it's not that you always repeat to yourself, this day is the most, what was, what was the day one? (laughs) Sorry. Drink a lot. Drink a lot. Um, no. Um, nothing is more valuable than this day. Nothing is worth more than this day. Nothing is worth Very more close. than this day. There we yeah. go. All right. You know, maybe nothing is worth more than this day is not always your answer, but maybe nothing is worth more than this day. And what's the next action? And what would Abraham Lincoln do? And what would Hillary do? Um, and, you know, whatever else you find inspirational, quote unquote, you know, Maybe write those on a dozen, two dozen index cards and uh, just keep those handy. And when you really feel stuck, shuffle the deck. See what comes up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shuffle the deck. Um, okay. The subtitle of the Oblique Strategies, by the way, is Over 100 Worthwhile Dilemmas. Worthwhile dilemma. Ooh, I like that. Worthwhile dilemma. Yeah, I think, I think, you, would, I think you would like these. You should look these up um, when, I, when I put a link mm-hmm. to them in show notes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of these things we're talking about are... Okay, here's here's a list of examples. Sorry. <laughs> Use an old idea. Mm. State, state the problem in words as clearly as possible. <laughs> Only one element of each kind. Mm. What would your closest friend do? <laughs> what to increase? What to reduce? Are there sections? Consider transitions. Mm-hmm. Try faking it. (laughs) Honor thy Mm. error as a hidden intention. Mm. Ask your body. And work at a different speed. So uh, there's a a game people play with fortune cookies? Uh, Are we talking about in bed? Or have people been inventing games with fortune cookies and not inviting me to play? Both. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. 
Thanks again for listening. Oh, I was going to ask you, and I don't know if this doesn't have to make the cut, but uh, so if you had to tattoo something using words, using language um, to your hand that would appear there for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. what would you do? On my hand? Yeah. You had to use have something that uses language tattooed to your hand for the rest of your life. Um, wow. Do you have one ready? Absolutely not. I wanted to challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you the mean question. Um, Abe Lincoln didn't say that. Okay. No, I don't know. Um, I hate tattoos so much. I haven't really. <laughs> well, and I kind of figured. To, I, I I I thought maybe you'd make some sort of commentary earlier when I brought it up too. But yeah. But I well, I don't. You... I don't want to. I don't think we, I can afford to get the tattoo people mad at me right now. The tattoo I mean, people. Who are the tattoo people? You know, tattoo people. Uh, the tattoo people, constituents. People with tattoos who want us to like their tattoo and validate their life choices. You don't have to like tattoos, though. I think people with tattoos that we like know that you don't have to like them too. Well, I mean, what if? What if? What if? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the core of the audience of our podcast. I mean, I haven't I haven't done a demographic survey yet. Maybe it's all tattooed people. What if you just got the words "I'm not that into tattoos" tattooed to your hand? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> then you'd be you'd be super hipster. I think. I just I just thought of one that would be a good mantra and that would be a super good tattoo. Yes, tell me. Nothing is permanent. (laughs) Oh, that just hurts. That just hurts.